You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about the slits cut. On the line, I have Rob. What's up? Ben. Instant hit. And Kyle. Howdy. Cut is the debut studio album by the English punk band The Slits, released on the 7th of September, 1979 on Island Records. The producer was Dennis Bovel, and the genre is post-punk and dub. And I'm going to read from the book, Chris Shade. Formed at a Patti Smith show in 1976 by 14-year-old German vocalist Ari Up, the Slits, with their unique thrift store fashion sense, soon acquired a reputation for being wild and obnoxious. They were invited to support The Clash on their 1977 White Riot tour, but the driver had to be bribed to allow them on the bus. However, despite being part of the Sex Pistols' inner circle, they did not release the debut until 1979. A fluctuating lineup eventually settled around Ari, guitarist Vive Albertine, bassist Tess Pullett, and future B- Banshees drummer Budgie. Uh, by the time of Cut's release, <clears throat> their wall of noise had developed into dub-influenced jitterpunk. Helped by the production skills of Bovel uh, from groundbreaking British reggae group Matumbi. The group combines skipping rhythms and discordant harmonies with Ari's uh, textual warble, an obvious influence upon Bjork. Their lack of musical ability never hinders their inventiveness. Witness the rolling piano and varying tempos of typical girls or the raw skank of instant hit. Male shortcomings are brilliantly addressed on anti-love songs, love, unromance, and ping-pong affairs. Twisted funk. Uh, best of all are the anti-consumerism of Spend, Spend, Spend and Shoplifting's hilarious Duo Runners chant. The album was deservingly greeted with acclaim, though the urban primitive imagery of Cut's sleeve attracted immediate controversy. But the Slits' refusal to compromise their image or stance made them an empowering influence on female musicians. All right, what do we think of the Slits' Cut? Is it, Great record. Is this the this first time great. for anybody? Yes. Was, yeah, yeah my first time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I had only ever heard the heard it through the grape guy, grapevine cover before. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's a weird one. I prefer it over uh, Credence's cover. Uh, yeah. Rob, did you know yeah, that the first line of the song Shoplifting is, put the cheddar in your pocket? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, back when Rob and I were roommates and broke, occasionally uh, small blocks of fancy cheese would end up in <laughs> our pockets. <laughs> or, uh, we referred to it as pocket cheese. That's right. <laughs> cheese is the gold of the grocery. <laughs> <laughs> 
so you took that to heart and put some cheddar in the pocket. <laughs> no, we're just kindred spirits, man. Okay. No, I have no idea this was even happening. <laughs> I'm glad I know, though. Man, I uh, this was a sorely missing piece of like the uh, post-punk puzzle for me. Like, I hear so many bands or i listened to so many bands that were absolutely ripping this off or like very 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 influenced by it and that is very surprising to me um that i didn't listen to it i you know I, as most young men were i was definitely aware of this album cover existing yeah <laughs> like even yeah. like without having any knowledge that the band was actually a band but like yeah, this this music's fucking awesome. Yeah, like it's really really fucking good. Yeah, I remember seeing the cover, on uh, in someone saying, you know, Bikini Kill, Patti Smith, Raincoats, and you know, Hole, Slater, Kenny, all the all these sort of like influential uh, elements. And I was like, this album cover is wild. Like this is gonna be some heavy punk stuff. So when you put it on, I. I was immediately blown away because it was just like, what, what is happening? It's dubbed like the dub influence. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at their first appearances, uh, there's recordings of their early, early, it's very sex pistols inspired, uh, straight ahead, rock and roll punk stuff. But this is, uh, much more, I don't know if I'd say sophisticated, but different curious about that because i haven't heard like i know that we, we like we've when we were talking about london calling a few episodes ago uh, episodes ago we were talking about paul Molive, uh, uh who is an original member of the slits uh, and their drummer and of course she's gone at this point and they've taken on budgie and I, I've, I've never listened to any slits with paul Molive as a drummer but i've heard this album and I haven't really, honestly, I haven't heard much of the stuff he's done with Susie and the Banshees, but the percussion on this record is so cool. And he can switch from punk to funk to reggae and back like in a heartbeat. And I was wondering, like he, in your write-up, you were talking, uh, you mentioned like, uh, like despite their, their lack of like traditional talent, blah, blah, blah. But Budgie, the drummer, is at, at least a very accomplished player. And I was wondering how much their sound did change, like how much that that dub influence and stuff came from like the production and having this this person in the band that can do that reggae type stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely inspired, definitely influenced a lot having a producer that had also done a lot of reggae um, dub elements but i think it's something that they developed over time uh i was going to ask the group if if you thought that it it's more exciting or less exciting having this sort of dub reggae um and if you thought they did it to break these boundaries because i, I think they saw the need for punk happened but at the same time punk was happening there was also a massive influx of reggae and dub in England. And so they latched onto that, which I think the clash did a bit too. It, it, it could have gone either way, I think, but something about that gives them a little, it, it makes the this music a lot more interesting for me. If, 
I don't know. I think I would prefer something that sounds like this to another Sex Pistol sound alike. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was I, I think that they chose that way. They they said they just liked the music, but I think they intentionally chose to be different. A band that was something completely different that they could have these rhythms and beats that were not typical of of punk and the punk show. I mean, really, they said that punk is a DIY and that was the it doesn't matter what music you play. It's punk rock if it's a DIY influence and picking up instruments and, and just just doing it. I agree with that. It's a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did read, too, that they originally um, didn't want to be an all girl group. At least the guitarist uh, Viv uh, Abertine didn't want to be an all girl group because th- there had already been labeled Um you know, the, uh, they get labels put on them all the time because they're female. And, and she saw, oh, why do we have to be an all girl group? Because, you know, we're just going to be labeled as that all girl punk group. But at the same time, they just they were like, get over it. Do, do it. I think Ari was just like, mm-hmm. just do it. Stop. Stop thinking about it. And we're going to do it. Um, I was really surprised, though, to think back about. I mean, they were talking about this is the a quintessential when they started, it was like the sex pistols happen and then this band kind of happened. It it was the of course the runaways were already doing something, but it it felt different. It had different intention, I think. Yeah, th- this is not this is not a straightforward rock and roll. Um I don't like the, was it the write-up that like mentioned that they weren't proficient at their instruments? That was the write-up. Yeah, Yeah. man. Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Like you, you don't get the weird creative like stuff out by knowing exactly what you should do or whatever. Like, I, I hate that that concept that like uh what what was it I'm gonna I'm I'm just bringing it back to Devo uh we think that uh <laughs> what is it we think that skill has just failed style something like that yeah something to that effect yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've heard plenty uh, of punk bands that don't know how to play their instruments and they don't sound like this they don't you but, know like but this was a jury journey I mean they self admit the early days are rough. They didn't have guitars. They, they went out and bought guitars after seeing the sex pistols. They, they spent they anyone heard recordings of their, of their older stuff. I, I haven't. I just, I, I watched some YouTube videos, um, but I guess it was all around this time. So I have no idea like what they sounded like. Before. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. This is like, both Viv and Tess. This isn't their band. Like they're both recruited from other bands. So I assumed that they at least owned gear and were pushing enough to already be in a band and be poached. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the a culmination. This album absolutely is the, um, even, even they would say, you know, sort of a high point of what they were doing or striving to do within this, this, uh, music. So, yeah, I'm, I understand your hesitation to say, you know, who cares if you, if you're not playing, perfectly or proficiently i mean a lot of other 
bands who are male probably wouldn't get the same treatment um, from write-ups like that. But at the same time, I think they would admit, you know, it, it was a long uh, growth. They sort of learned to play from 1976 and, and now it's 1979 when they're putting this album out. You know what else happened in 1979? Johnny Rotten married Ari Up's mom, <laughs> making him her stepdad. Uh, and that's weird. That's really weird. Because they're peers, right? They're <laughs> yeah. like they're contemporaries. And so Sid uh, and Sid Vicious used to be in a band with Viv, and I think that they were a couple for a little while uh, before she before uh, she was in a, a relationship with Mick Jones. But the first two songs, "Instant Hit" and "So Tough," are both about Sid Vicious. <laughs> this is um yeah just re-listening to this again it just it has that sort of skipping beat it's it's an interesting dynamic that uh, that happens. Also, the 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 very it feels very confident too. I think that's what sets apart this record from um, some other records. Is it just it's out there and it feels it feels right. It feels like they they were accomplished what they were striving to do. Yeah, it doesn't feel sure. like they, yeah, they're, I agree. they're trying to be reggae. It doesn't feel like they're trying to be dub or punk. They have the, a unique voice. I think that's 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 really amazing. A unique voice, literally. Yeah, yeah, Ari's with voice, that warble. Yeah, I saw a, a show that um, she she's still do, doing that warble um, in the two thousands. She was doing mm-hmm. like. Uh, recent sh- shows and yeah still has it um do you want to talk about the cover at all i think we should uh, i think it's a yeah. great cover i think yeah. it's one of the best punk covers i've seen um mm-hmm. it's hard to quantify why it's so good but i mean um, i have i know what first attracted me to it the topless uh, is uh, topless ladies yeah okay uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's Ari, Viv, and Tessa, uh, basically just wearing loincloths and mud, standing by some foliage, looking. No, there's it's very specific. They're, yeah. they're, they're in an English rose garden, so that's very important because it's a it's a, I mean it's what would you say a commentary on the old style of England versus the new wild style of pu- the punk movement. So, mm-hmm. and they, they said they wanted a, a look, they, they shot all day. They really wanted a look that didn't look anything like submissive. It, it looked dangerous. It looked like they were ready for, to take on the world. Um, and so they have this sort of fierce stare, uh, yeah, with a backdrop, the Rose Garden. And then it's the, the. Text is like a very minimal text. It's very new wave text and then a purple background. I think it's just great. 
it's really cool. Yeah. So how many bands owe this band an apology for not listing them in the uh, <laughs> album credits? Uh, do you guys want to go down the list of bands that need to apologize to the slits for stealing their sound? I'll start. The future heads need to apologize to the slits Uh-oh. right now. Wow. XTC for, uh, XTC also needs to be like, Hey slits. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Elastica needs to apologize to the slits as well. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, that's kind of their thing. Yeah. Add, add the slits to the, to the list of bands. Elastica already owes apologies to it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't wait till we get um, to Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> and, it's such a good record. We'll like, oh, that's a slit song. Oh, that's a wire riff. Oh, yeah. that's a, yeah. 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 We'll probably just go down the line. <laughs> ah, typical girls just came on in our cans. This was one of uh, Kurt Cobain's favorite songs. I read that I too. Read that. Yeah. yeah, it's great. He it's, put this record in his top fifty records. Apparently, it's good. I get it. It's. It's a post-punk. Uh, it fits in with Susie and the Banshees, sure. It fits in with Gang of Four, which we're going to be talking about, sure. But it's nothing. It's nothing like that. Yeah. Other than the Clash, have we? It, it's. I'm looking through the book now because it almost feels like we've had punk new wave bands that are m- mixing some dub in. But maybe I'm just thinking of the Clash and the Slots. Do you think it? Uh, Pierre yeah. Ubu did. Oh, a bit uh, Police. In the Police, yeah, police yeah. for sure. Yeah, we've. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not unheard of. I think it's just creating a quirky, almost lighthearted, but also commentary. It, it it's um yeah, it's great. Yeah, I liked how there were uh, different uh, lyric writers uh, and obviously songwriters too. But there's a lot of uh, perspectives in the um, like lyrical subject matter. No, I mean like uh, there's a few Palm Olive songs. Yeah, Palm Olive wrote some of the songs that were kind of older that they just kept playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like FM sounds lyrically nothing like you know shoplifting, but uh, they sound great next to each other. Yeah, some of them are more irreverent, and some are you know kind of dark and sinister. Like Newtown used to be Drug Town. Um, oh yeah, there's a lot to chew on with the lyrics. I like this record a lot. And it took a couple of listens for me to kind of, I, I think like I was listening to it in the background cleaning, you know, at first, and then I, I took a closer listen. And I was like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think the musicianship musicianship is excellent. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I also agree with you guys. This is a crazy, crazy influential album. Um, and I, I feel like kind of a chump for only knowing <laughs> that cover song. Yeah. Um, and I think in my foolish mind, I had conflated these guys with uh, the flying lizards. I don't even know what that um, is. Because they did that money cover. Oh. I want yeah, the money. I, I, yes, yes. It was in um it was in uh, the wedding singer. <laughs> it was on the soundtrack. Oh, wow. <laughs> um so I, I think I had conflated uh the flying lizards in this band. Um shame on you. And I feel like I feel like a, a jabroni, so Yeah, you should. Um Birch, do you know are we getting any more uh Susie and the Banshees? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll get uh, Juju. Okay, as I, I I like everything about this record. Uh, as a drummer, I was really drawn to the the musicality and innovativeness of Budgie's approach to drums, especially his like almost like world music Tom intensive approach. Uh, and I, I was reading a little bit, and it s- seems like he only 
gets better as he joins Susie and the Banshees. So uh, looking forward to, to hearing more from that guy. Yeah, I think you'll like that one too. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised to learn too that the CD wasn't released until 2005 in the US. Oh, weird. I don't know um, why. I, it just seemed like it was a rights issue, um, but the stateside like CD just... I mean, people were importing it, obviously, from 1990, and then there was a, another release in 2000, but uh, I remember... Did that, Island Records go under or something? Uh, no, it was, it was like from Island Def Jam. I don't know exactly why. I think it was just, you know, one of those things where it just falls off the radar and, and no one was uh, really looking for it. I don't know. But I do remember it kind of having a resurgence at that time when it got re-released and, you know, probably write-ups and pitchfork and all sorts of um, whatever was the spin or um, the top review sites at the time because it it did say, you know, talk about all the uh, influences that it it had uh, created. It's had a re-release on vinyl if anyone wants to pick it up, but April 9th of 2020. So right in the middle of the pandemic. Nice. Or, sorry, right at the start. Uh, but you can get it for about 19 bucks on Discogs right nice. now. Cool. That's a good one. up a uh, rabbit hole when I was reading for this uh, kind of a strange sad story in life a little bit after the slits broke up she moved to uh, was it Indonesia and Belize uh, like the jungle regions where she lived with indigenous people and then eventually settled in Jamaica uh, she had some kids which eventually Johnny John Lydon adopted because she they were running amok they couldn't read they weren't developing uh so johnny rotten had to adopt them uh eventually sadly in the 2000s she was diagnosed with breast cancer she turned down the chemotherapy because it would mean she would lose her rasta dreads and instead she went to uh uh, like witch doctors and stuff to try to cure it. Uh, and unfortunately that did not work. L- kind of a, l- a long, strange trip of Ari up. Yeah. Uh, she was definitely a free spirit on the, yeah. uh, she was the, I don't know, instigator. If you want to say that on a lot of that thing, the tour, they said that they were the, uh, surprisingly, they were kind of the pranksters and the, um, I don't know. They would cause trouble. Uh, is what they, what they said. Um, and they said people were terrified of them, um, mainly because they were women and they were, they were breaking these norms as, I mean, I think Susie and a lot of other, uh, punk females at the time were 
were doing different things with their hair and people had just never seen that before. No, nothing like that, you know, would have occurred to uh, people in England or the States. So they're, they're wearing, you know, underwear outside their clothes. Uh, she's pissing on stage. Um, there's, it's just a wild, you know, sort of a performance. And so I think they, they said they got spit on, they got harassed all the time, obviously. Um, from uh from people just seeing them as outsiders uh i can't remember one of them got stabbed by a guy who looked like john travolta they said um, <laughs> what? But, yes uh, yeah looks like uh but they said ooh, ooh. <laughs> they said it was it was a definitely a different time um but they were willing to push the boundaries um, because they were gutsy, wild, smart women, you know, and unapologetically so. They they could have changed the cover. They said no. Um, they thought, you know, they were a little bummed that it didn't sell more, but they said, you know, maybe it's it's because it was uh, they were people weren't accepting of that. But I, I find that just it, it's an interesting story to go along with great music. Uh, also, good for Chris Blackwell. Who which is that's decent, right? Yeah, yeah. They did a, a I mean, it, it didn't tank or anything. It, it wasn't that it, it didn't sell. It's just that it it could have been, you know, it could have gone uh, higher. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I was, I was happy to hear like Chris Blackwell from Island Records, who I know we've um, some artists had had a problem with in the past, the slits said that he just gave them creative control to do pretty much what they wanted to do with the producer, with the cover. So I was th- thrilled. You know, I always love hearing when yeah, the record labels are just willing to do whatever you want. I, I didn't know who Chris Blackwell was until we started doing this uh, project. Uh, since then we've talked about him half dozen times. It seems and it's it seems like we've heard more good stories than horror stories about about working with them. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't he? Wasn't it him that like uh, like put up like Bob Marley and the Whalers when they yes had to? I forget the story. Like they were, were they in exile or had to flee yep. Jamaica? Exile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also um, some of the people. I think Peter Tosh had a problem with Chris Blackwell because he he saw his um he thought that he was getting too much money for it was kind of a money dispute issue um was it that he put that he kind of paired up with uh lee perry was it was it john martin yeah john martin mm-hmm. yeah like, like, the the to be able to like hear both those guys and be like oh they need to meet they need to work together like i, I think chris blackwell's doing some cool cool stuff on 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 the behind the scenes of uh of music in the uk yeah it's diverse too because um i know tom waits was on island records and there's some other sort of strange people you wouldn't uh expect to be on island yeah but anyway the slits the slits man yeah oh marion excellent record yeah i think the recording could be slightly better um it just has, it, uh, there's something about it that it, I, I think the, uh, it, it does feel maybe a little rushed or a little underproduced. 
Um, it could be a little more impactful, but I mean, it's such a small, that's such a minor, like, uh, I don't know. We've just been talking so positively about, it. I just feel like there's, <laughs> there's one little <laughs> thing I could pull out. It'd be that maybe a little bit better on the, yeah. On the I mean, it, it doesn't recording. matter with, with how, with how, just how creative and awesome that th- this is like the, like production value on a good punk record matters not to me. <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about group sex with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I was going to, one last question. Does anybody have a favorite all female band? I was trying to think about it today. Um, but uh, L7. Okay. Good choice. Yeah, Love L7. Uh, yeah. I guess La Tigra. Yeah. That's a good one. Chicks on Speed and Peaches. Yeah. Slater Kenny. Slater Kenny, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Slater Kenny. Good choice. I mean, I, I also really like the Shangri Las, so uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to how hard to uh determine, you know, does it does it mean a girl group or but I, I guess in this case though, I'm I'm thinking more of all all female instrumentalists, you know, playing drums, playing Playing bass, playing guitar. So oh, that would... uh, dude, no, 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 no. Uh, motherfucker. If people haven't listened to motherfucker, oh yeah, you're right. Confetti, get on it. Great band. That's absolutely amazing band. Yeah, from uh, Athens, Georgia, right? Yeah. Well, now, now, Cut Era Slits is not an all-girl band, though. That's correct. That is correct. But they did start out um, as an all all female band. It was conceived as a all girl band. I'd say a majority of these songs too were doing it. Yeah, I will not d- discount Budgie. <laughs> he might not be on the cover, but his influence is on this record. It's true. Cool. Uh, is everybody on the positive on this one? Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. Cool. Okay. I'm going to track down a $19 vinyl copy and have it for my own. Nice. Man, is that what it goes for? Yeah. Oh, that's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's a reissue. the The original is oh. like a hundo. <laughs> oh right, yeah, rare. But it's a hundred and eighty gram reissue, so good stuff. Nice. All right, next time we'll be talking about Elvis Costello and the attractions Armed Forces. Thanks, y'all.